Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Keys to Financial Confidence podcast. I'm your host, Marika Steimack. I'm an author, life coach, and app creator. We're going to dig deeper into the 40 simple concepts I've come up with in my book, Keys to Financial Confidence, Unlock Your Best Life. Here, you are going to finally figure out what living your best life means for you and how to set up your financial situation to get there. You are here for a reason, you want change, and you want to learn how. Let's dig in. Welcome to today's episode where we sit down with Sean Maslick, a financial planner and the host of the thought-provoking podcast, The Most Hated F-Word. Get ready for an enlightening conversation covering behaving like who you want to be, money stories, and living your rich life. Embrace the life you've always dreamed of as we explore the keys to behaving like your authentic self and creating a financial narrative that empowers you. Let's dive in. Thank you so much, Sean, for being on the show. We're going to discuss chapter 29, start behaving like who you want to be. Oh, good. Yeah. I feel like you've got the vibe for that. If you want to just give like an introduction as to what you do, who you are, what you're all about. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me on the show. We were just chatting before we started recording. This is the first time that I've ever talked to someone on a podcast in my same city. So that's pretty neat. Yeah. My name is Sean. I am a father. I'm a husband. I host a podcast called The Most Hated F Word Podcast. Yeah. I'm a financial planner. And I really strongly believe that when we can identify our money stories, identify our relationships with money, we can really live this rich life. And when I say rich, not necessarily the size of our bank account, more about the experience we have while we're here on this planet. And the other thing I'll say is I got a new column coming out for Money Sense called A Rich Life. So the first article should go this week. Oh, wow. That's great. That's amazing. We'll put that in the show notes. So your website is called The Most Hated F Word. Yes. (laughs) That's genius. Someone asked me to do a presentation and it wasn't a finance conference. And I thought, well, I need a catchy title for the presentation. And I just thought, I might as well say the most hated F word and it seemed to work. And then um, I called my podcast that. So money's one of those conversations that causes a whole pile of different emotions inside of us. And often one, it's fear or we're scared. And so the most hated F word is kind of a, a catchy title for my presentation. And it also highlights that these are conversations that we need to have so that it's not the most hated F word. Yeah, it's definitely not the most hated F word for me. I love it. I talk about it all day. I love that I get to have a podcast about it now and talk to other people that are interested in it. But today I'd love to focus on chapter 29, start behaving like who you want to be. I've dived into money mindsets and I've dived into money stories in previous podcasts. But what is a money story to you? So you, me, and everybody listening to this podcast, we are all the actors and actresses in our own money story. And for the most part, we're completely unaware of it. And what I mean by that is Dr. Brad Klontz has done some fascinating research over the last 20 years, and he's demonstrated that we all fall into four general money scripts that really influence heavily how we think, feel, and behave around money. And when these are left unchecked, we continue the same money thinking patterns, same behaviors over and over again, and our daily lives, what we do every day is a chapter or a segment of our overall life story. 
So when we zoom out, our money stories are heavily influenced from these money scripts. We're largely unaware of them, but yet the research shows these money scripts influence our credit scores, how we use or don't use credit properly, our incomes, our what kind of work we do, and just our overall stress, no stress, avoidance, anxiety around money. So our money stories is accumulation of us, of our daily actions or the end of our lives. I think we all aspire to say, I did it. I lived a good life. Mm-hmm. And often what we can see is that the relentless pursuit for more, because humans, we have this evolutionary adaptation to want to survive, to get more, to avoid pain. We're constantly trying to get more. And when we don't take the time to figure out what our money story is, why do we hate money, like money, love money, obsess about money, avoid money? Why do we do that? Then we could start to take the power back and start to author our own money story because then we have the confidence, the ability to be like, ah, this is why I feel like that. When I was seven years old, this happened to me around money. Or when my parents, they did the best they can, but when they did this, that really influenced me. And that's why I don't like money or that's why I love money. So our money stories are incredibly powerful. And they also then affect our money mindset. 100%. I mean, Daniel Coleman did some fascinating research in the early 2000s that showed for the first time, he won a Nobel Prize for this in economics, which was interesting. He's a psychologist, but just this strong link between emotions and money. So yes, our money and our psychology are incredibly linked. And you're absolutely right. All of these financial flashpoints, we call them, these big emotionally driven events or small micro emotional events impact our money mindset. And like I said earlier, it influences how we think, feel, and behave around money. And when we leave that unchecked, somebody else might be authoring our story, our money Mm -hmm. story, our life story. How do we change our money story to be able to help us behave the way we want to behave? For me, the more I dive into this, I'm like everybody. Oh, I have good days, bad days. But I think that's the beauty of being human is we don't have to be perfect, but we often have a lens that we have to be perfect. And social media has a large influence on that. We see people on social media that they have this perfect life. So the first thing I would say, as we do this work, as we start to dive into the deep, dark waters of ourselves, I think it's bringing a boatload of compassion, understanding, empathy, that it's okay that maybe I don't have it totally figured out. In fact, that makes me human. Mm -hmm. And so it's hard work. And I don't think everyone necessarily needs to jump right in and figure out their money story and really peel back all the complex layers. But if we have ever felt stuck, frustrated, confused, why I continuously make this same financial decision that I'm trying to avoid, or if I'm ruminating about money often and I don't want to, then I think that's an invitation that, hey, maybe there's something deeper that is worthwhile looking into myself. And I call that like leaning in and wrestling with the discomfort. Again, as humans, we avoid pain. Like that's an evolutionary adaptation. So often we feel that discomfort, and I speak from tons of experience. I'd be like, oh, what's that? Oh, no, distract myself. I distracted myself all the time because I didn't like that discomfort. So my money story had me thinking that money was power and control. As a kid, I was super, super shy. And I didn't use my voice. As much as I wanted to, I felt like I couldn't. But then I started working being successful. I took a business degree. I was getting a good job and people like, oh, Sean, look at your good job. Look at you. 
how did you get that at 25 or whatever I was? And my inner child, who was this shy little boy, was like, yeah, look at people are noticing me. They're giving me a voice. I'm being seen, heard. So unconsciously to myself, I was attaching power, prestige, the ability to be seen and heard to money. So I obsessed over this idea of trying to get more and more and more and more. The discomfort that I felt of why am I emailing right now at 7 p.m. at night when I've worked all day and my kids are on the ground trying to play and asking me to play. But in my head, I'm telling myself, I'm just trying to work so I can create a good retirement so that we can have financial freedom. But is that freedom? My kids are on the ground right now. I could just put the emails away and go do it. So that really led me to diving into why am I feeling this way? And for me, and there's a lot of different ways to go into your question here is how do we start to do the work is just sitting with that discomfort. For me, it was journaling. It was a reflective practice of why am I feeling? What am I feeling? And just writing it down. And that's what got me to realize that, oh, okay, yeah, this shy kid who I call Mr. Shy, my inner money critic, really attached money to power and meaning. And so I think for all of us, and I'll end here, is that when we feel that discomfort, to sit with it. It's hard, but to sit with that discomfort and try to identify which parts of us just want to be seen or heard and why. And then we start to get breadcrumbs to lead to more things about ourselves. And as much as money can be fearful, it can illuminate our fears, it can illuminate our insecurities. But I really believe that this work, Money Stories, can be a portal into our hearts and a deeper part of ourselves that allow us to live this richer life. Wow. That's great. I love the fact that you came out of it and decided that you needed to journal. It's interesting. I think a lot of people avoid journaling, especially when it comes to answering the questions they have or the anxieties they have around money. And yet it could be so beneficial, ultimately life-changing sometimes. What if you don't like to journal? What is another solution or what is something that you could do to help yourself dig deeper? Yeah, there's fascinating work in and around helping us sit and have stillness. And I think that's the key. Journaling, it's a place for us to just sit still and be. A great exercise is if people get a piece of paper and just draw a big egg on their piece of paper. And then if they thought about the first money memory that they ever had with one of their parental figures, just pick one of them. First money memory could be painful, could be enjoyable, could be pleasant, any money memory. And they draw a picture of that. And then do the same thing if we had two of them with the other parental figure. And then do another image of a money memory that was a little bit more recent, still as a child, and draw a picture. And then when we're probably about 10 years old, do another picture. So we should have an egg with four pictures. And then it's to start to think about what our feelings around money are right now and draw a picture of a recent, like within the last six months, painful, enjoyable, or pleasant experience with money. Mm -hmm. So now we have this egg with five different drawings in it. And as we're doing this, we're starting to evoke some emotion, memories. We're starting to dive into our financial flashpoints as a child. We're starting to realize why or how our money story was made up. And then it's to go to each of those images and write one word. One feeling. So a feeling should be scared, excited, anxious. And then after we do those exercises, you can look at this egg and just complete the sentence. The moral of my money story is, and just complete that. 
And so for those who don't like journaling, because you could sit down and be like, what do I write about? This is a good way to prompt ourselves with an activity or an exercise to start digging into those deep memories. And I haven't met too many people who get to that last point when the moral of my money story is who can't write anything. I like that, especially if you're a creative person, that's going to be really fun to do. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you're creative, you're also going to want to journal. So this is just like another cool activity. I've never heard of that. That's really interesting. What are the obstacles that are going to hold us back from behaving the way we would like to behave every day? When we have this unfinished business, so to speak, this unexamined money story, then we're operating based on a whole bunch of experiences that we're just not aware of. That's how humans, we adapt. <laughs> we're an accumulation of all the experiences that we had in our lives. When we have these psychological barriers in place, it's very difficult to change. As we're recording, it's January 10th. So New Year's resolutions are a huge thing. And we always hear people talk about how they're very difficult to actually implement. And it's for good reason is because we have years of habits being formed, beliefs that are deep seated that we're not even conscious about that are rooted in our psychology that act as barriers. So the same logic that applies to money is that when we don't take the time to acknowledge, give time and space to these barriers, these psychological barriers that are impacting how we think, feel, and behave around money, mm -hmm. it's going to be very difficult to make long-term meaningful and sustainable change. We have to rely on willpower, but willpower through research is really fleeting. Like It's really hard. It's exhausting to just solely rely on willpower. This idea of diving into our money stories helps us clear out these psychological barriers that are keeping us stuck. And again, this is for people who are at that place of, I feel stuck, I'm frustrated, why can't I do this with my money and so forth? After you've cleared out your money story and you understand where you are with that, what do you do next? This is now where we could start to become a little bit more congruent with our time, values, and action. And what I mean by that is that, like my example, I valued family, I value time with my kids, but here I am stuck on emails, ignoring my kids on the floor, and so that's like an incongruent action. Mm -hmm. So as we start to remove these psychological barriers, we could start to think more clearly. We have more thoughts that are like, hey, wait, no, I can put the emails down and I still will be able to retire. Where before I might be like, no, I can't. I need an email. I need to do this. It's like this all or nothing thinking. So there's this financial wheel life. It's adapted from the wheel life exercise that just looks at the different major areas in your life, work, leisure, fitness, et cetera. And we can start to make observations of our time, not critiques. Because sometimes when we're operating out of scarcity, when we don't go back to do the work, we're then going to criticize ourselves. And we don't like to be criticized, so we stop. Mm -hmm. Whereas once we start to do the work to give our mind a little more peace, we can make observations. We'll be like, wait, holy smokes, I value time with my family, but I'm not spending any time with my family. Then I could just start doing things that are going to be time with my family. Like I think it's important at this point to do kind of like a reporting exercise, like this real life. I have that. Oh, do you? Yeah, yeah. It's chapter two. I actually have, and I call it the financial priorities wheel. It's so simple. And it's like, you can also download a nice template off of my Etsy shop if you want. There we go. It's a wonderful way to just make those observations. Yeah. And it helps us, like I say, become a little bit more congruent. And I think as we're doing this, we need to know that we're never going to be fully congruent. This is like a mountain without a top where we're always aspiring, never arriving. 
Yeah. And that gives us the permission to be human. I'm not going to get this perfect, but you know what? I know where I kind of want to go. I'm directionally right. And that's part of the human being process is that we're starting to progress to where we want to go and we're in control somewhat. We're not fully in control, but we're intentional and in somewhat control of why we're spending our time the way we are. And I think that's really powerful because sometimes we think, oh, I got to do all this mindset work and like I need Will Smith to give me that men in black, like erase the memory (laughs) thing to reset everything. And we don't. (laughs) A lot of this can be done quite simply. That money egg exercise that I explained can be done in 15, 20 minutes. Totally. And then we do a money wheel. And now we start doing because we know through the research of just doing things especially when they're in alignment of what we want. It creates our proper endorphins. It creates dopamine that we like in a healthy way. And just the action of doing it, we start to feel better and we gain some momentum. So like I was saying, if we don't take the steps, then we're just going to sit in our thoughts over and over. So that's why I like, I think you said chapter 29 is creating that story. So there's one exercise that was adapted from positive psychology research. It's called the best possible self. And so say we do the money egg exercise, we do the wheel life, I would recommend the best possible self exercise, which it's a prompted journaling. So for people who don't enjoy (laughs) journaling, it just says, imagine yourself that in six months, your best possible financial life, call it, money touches everything. So imagine that best possible life is here. How do you feel? What are you doing? And what has changed? And then you start journaling. And or writing for those who don't like journal. Or reflecting. Or reflecting. Reflection is important. And then you start to see that, oh, wait, I want to walk kids to school every day. I want to get up 10 minutes extra and journal, do push-ups, sit, be, whatever it is. And it's fascinating to me how when we kind of go in that order of peeling some of the layers of our money story, doing an observation on how we're spending our time, and then thinking about our best possible life, Rarely does it say I need to live in a mansion. Rarely are we saying we need to be in Europe drinking the finest wine. Usually it's, I want more time with my kids or it might be a little bit more meaningful work. Mm-hmm. Things that are actually some, like fairly possible. And it's kind of refreshing to realize that, hey, I'm not broken. I just need to tweak a couple things. So, And I have to start focusing on doing those things today. So I actually have that exercise in my book. It's my favorite entire chapter. And I was talking about it yesterday on a podcast that I was actually on. It's called the ideal day exercise. I do a visualization with people and I have it. You could download it for free on my website because it's important to define what does your perfect or ideal day look like so that you can peel back your money story after that and say like, why can't I have this? Why can't I have this day that I get to spend time with my kids or whatever it is that you want to do? Personally, I am the one that is drinking fine wines in Europe. Nothing wrong with that. And yeah, luckily I do get to do that often. So I'm living it. But it's like peeling back like, why can't I have that? That is what it is. Does it come from my money story? Does it come from my money mindset? And is it actually a priority? So you go through and you do that wheel and say, this is now going to be my priority. And now what is the one behavior I can do today to move me forward to that person, to that dream, to that vision of that ideal day? And it's just habit building, habit stacking. What do you think about that habit building and habit stacking? I mean, we're an accumulation of what we do every single day. That's our whole life story. So habits influence what we do every day. So 
Habits to me are really important. At times, I feel like we can focus too much on the habit stacking or the habit, like creating new habits, because I need to create new habits. An example would be like, I think sometimes, not all the time, we could skip why I'm doing that habit and focus so much more on the habit. So I'll give you an example. If I believe everybody else is exercising and I'm criticizing myself because I just can't do it, I'm focusing on I'm getting my gym clothes, like all everyone says, put your shoes out and everything out, sleep in your gym clothes, whatever. But I wake up and I just can't do it. Now I start having negative stories to myself. There's something wrong with me. Then I go down to shame land. I'm bad for this. And maybe I just hate exercise. I actually like exercising, but I'm just giving this example. Maybe this individual just can't stand exercising in the morning and they're just more of an evening person. And I think that's where journaling, creating that space of mind. And that's why I think it's so important when we're doing, if it's habit, building around our finances, that we become clear on what we want and not what the podcast we listen to, what the books say, what other people are saying. Just like you said, fine wine is in your best possible life. That's perfect because that's your life. That's not my life. I would enjoy it, but you know, it wouldn't be in my best possible life. That doesn't mean it can't be in yours. So habits are incredibly powerful. I think we need to focus on them. I just think we need to get the boat going in the right direction before we hammer down a whole bunch of habits, because underneath where our intuition lies, where our our way of being lies, if it's not something that really resonates with us, all the habits in the world are still going to be a fight every single day. And what I don't want, especially around our money stories, is there to be a fight internally and discontent around trying to put in a habit. Coming full circle, habits are great. I think we just got to make sure our boat's going in the right direction before we start forcing habits upon ourselves that the habits that we're doing are right for us, for our individual purpose and how we want to behave throughout our lives, our days. Yeah, I completely agree with you. You don't really hear people saying that too often. You hear people saying like, oh, you know, studies show it's really healthy to do this. And so it's like we all assume that we should all be in that boat, like what you're saying. But yeah, I hate working out in the morning. I hate it. I'm not going to do it. (laughs) There you go. And if you tried so many times, it would be hard. And then I bet you, you go through that. What's wrong with me? Why can't I do this? Well, I think I'm at this stage of life where I'm like, nah, where's the book, The Midnight Club? Some people are like functioning at midnight and they're doing their best work and their most creative work or whatever, any work after midnight. And I'm like, I guess studies have shown that it's not healthy. Screw the studies. You know what I mean? If it works for you, behave how you want to behave. As long as you're like a normal, nice, functioning human being the next day, that's all that matters. And you're contributing in a positive way to the world. But you know what's interesting about what you said there is I think when we get to that level of acceptance of who we are and to that area of, I'm okay with this, then we're like, thanks for the study. It's really informative. I take this (laughs) as the broad stroke, but you know what? I'm a night person and I'm okay with that. Thanks so much, Sean. This was so great. This was such a nice conversation. I hope the audience got a little bit of insight on how they can start behaving the way they want on an everyday basis by peeling back your money story, by going through and analyzing what your money mindset is, and then figuring out your priorities and then putting your goals together and then just taking action. Go for it. Just do it. Habit stack, but habit stack for you. There you go. You got a quote. So where can everybody find you? I have a website called themosthatedfword.com. There's my podcast. And I wrote an album about my money story, a full-length album. Me and my music collaborator are 
about to launch a program where people can do some guided exercises with us. And then we, in one session, we sit down and we write a money story song and it's written, recorded and sung and you get a copy of your own song. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. It's, it. it's fascinating. Awesome. Great. Thank you so much. Thank you. If you enjoyed the content of this episode, we'd love to hear your thoughts. Please don't forget to leave a review and make sure to check out all the information about Sean in the show notes. Now get ready for the next episode where we fire up your imagination and unlock your dreams with vision boarding. Learn how to create a visual roadmap to financial success. Thanks for listening.